Before we get going, I'd like to say thank you to the people and companies that support this show. The first is Bull Bitcoin. If you're buying Bitcoin in Canada, you should be doing it at Bull Bitcoin. It's a non-custodial exchange with a focus on privacy. When you make the order, you input your own self-custody receive address, which means as soon as the order is completed, it goes right to you. You don't assume any of the exchange risk. The guys at Bull Bitcoin are also behind BitcoinSupport.com. This is for those of you who need some help getting your self-custody arrangement set up properly in a manner that's both secure, but also easy to manage and engage with. They have a number of different packages available based on your needs. So check them out at BitcoinSupport.com and find the one that's right for you. Also, CoinKite, the makers of the famous cold card hardware wallet. The latest edition, the MK4, recently dropped. It has a USB-C connector, NFC tap functionality, dual secure elements, and lots of other great features that many of us have come to expect and love from ColdCard and CoinKite that help you to optimize your Bitcoin security setup. Visit coldcard.com to learn more about the MK4 and visit coinkite.com to learn more about all their other awesome products for helping you to secure and have fun with your Bitcoin. And lastly, I've been slacking a little bit on the value for value podcasting 2.0 stuff. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what that is, there are certain podcasting apps that are available now as a result of uh, the functionality brought to Bitcoin by the Lightning Network that allows you to either stream sats as you listen to podcasts or tip or what's called boost. Um, you know, when you when you hear something that you really like, you can send a, a tip of 100 sats or 1,000 sats or whatever you want, really, to uh, the creator. And it goes directly to the podcast content creator. And I can certainly appreciate that uh, People may not want to let go of their sats uh, unless they absolutely have to. And of course, when they're receiving free content, they don't have to. But it has been very interesting to me to see that, you know, a non-insignificant number of people are actually willing to send and tip sats uh, for this content. One, obviously, because, you know, I think they value it. But two, I think many of us realize that this could very well represent a better model for supporting content creators in the future as we you know we exist in an era and potentially heading into uh, an era of even greater censorship that removing all potential censors from the creator and the audience will be vitally important and podcasting 2.0 is a means of doing that or at least getting the ball rolling and experimenting and see what might evolve from doing so so if you'd like to try that out, a really great, easy to use wallet can be downloaded at fountain.fm. And to sweeten the deal a little bit and to get people playing around with this uh, new method of, of consuming content, Fountain has agreed to give 50,000 Satoshis on four different occasions to a listener who sends a boostergram to a given show. So basically I'll be able to see all the boosts that come through and I'll pick one that I think is interesting or otherwise deserving of 50,000 sats and we'll send them to their uh, Fountain user account. Also for now, that's gonna be the primary domain where I interact with users. So if you have a suggestion for the show or if you have a question that you would like me to explore or a topic you'd like me to explore on the show, send that message as a boost and uh, you never know, it could make its way into the show. So check it out, any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, let me know, I'd love to hear them. And that's it, enjoy the show. 
Okay, now we're being live streamed. <laughs> I don't know what uh, what happened, but I think it's working now. There you go. So okay. decriminalize nature. Thanks for yeah. uh, coming on for a discussion. Yes, thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm really excited to talk to you. This is my two most favorite topics of all time: psychedelics well, and Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, well, as you probably know, they're they're high up on my list as well. So yeah, why don't you tell me about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, let me just go through my spiel. Um, so I'm uh, I'm just a um, a pleb out here. Um, I. Decriminalized Nature is a decentralized organization, just much like Bitcoin. And um, there is a central organization, decriminalizednature.org. Um, and, you know, I've been following the space for about four or five years. Um, and, and our uh, mission is to um, get psychedelic medicines uh, to not be, um, de to decriminalize so that it won't be, you know, we won't be um you know jailed for possession and so on so basically um it, it's just you know everyday citizens coming together uh it started in oakland um so just a little history behind it in 2018 um oakland was the first chapter that really organized and put uh decriminalization um uh, a pathway forward for it and i followed that one fairly well um it was the first one and Basically, their their strategy was to um, go in front of council members, city council members, and and get people to talk about their experiences with psychedelic medicines and how it's helped them um, overcome trauma or PTSD. You know, just tell them stories, and so that was um, successful, and they unanimously agreed. And what what, what decriminalization means is that. The city will not allocate funding for policing or, um, you know, prosecuting and, and jailing uh, small possessions. So that basically was the first um, success, successful decriminalization measure that happened within the city of Oakland. And so from there, it, it spread. It spread in a, you know, decentralized fashion. Um, Denver took it next, and then there was a couple cities in Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and uh, a couple of cities in Massachusetts, most recently Detroit, and I'm I'm from Washington State. I'm in Washington State, so Seattle just most recently decriminalized. I was in touch with that central, like kind of the the, the committee here, and um, and there's another small town called Port Townsend here that decriminalized. So that's sort of the uh, a, a decentralized sort of everyday citizen, you know, just coming together, saying we really want to have access to these psychedelic medicines without you know fear of being jailed right mm -hmm. so and, and and that's within the united states um uh the first country that actually decriminalized was um actually portugal and portugal has a history already like 10 or 15 years where they have decriminalized psychedelics and found that criminal activity and 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 so on they, they've they've taken measures and it's actually declined after um, the decriminalization happened. So we have that history and sort of, we relied on that data point first to kind of go to the council members saying, you know, you know, instead of prosecuting these people, maybe we can use these medicines um, to heal people and to actually, you know, 
they found that like, you know, inmates, you know, they've done psychedelic studies with inmates and the recidivism, you know, going back into jail, the, into the system dramatically declines. So there's data points like that, you know, social data points like that, that, that we present to council members. And so that's the decriminalization movement that's been happening um, all over um, the United States, as well as in different countries now. And um, most recently, um, the, the so, so that's that was from 2018 to uh, most recently, Seattle was 2020. And then um, also at the state level now, Oregon passed uh, two measures, uh, measure 109 and 110. 110 was the decriminalization measure. Uh, 109 was a, um, uh, they, that they would establish a Oregon health authority that would actually look at how to um, license uh, therapists and, and how, you know, how to structure this, the psychedelic therapy, basically. So um, that's uh, still ongoing. And California and uh, Washington, right after that, um, have very similar uh, bills and measures uh, that, that have gone out. It hasn't passed, but uh, like when Washington State, we also have, um, we took a look at Oregon's model and basically said, okay, we'll allocate state funding, $200,000. And there's like a 15 person committee that's trying to figure out how to structure this legal structure. So that's the two different realms. Decriminalization is just basically saying for small possessions, we will, you know, we do not want to have this to be a criminal activity. So, and legalization is um, more of, you know, trying to figure out the, the legal structure around um, psychedelic medicines. Mm -hmm. So that's the two factions that are going on uh, within the psychedelic debate right now. And, um, and yeah, I really wanted to, you know, get, get out there because there's still a little bit of a misconception. Uh, you know, I, I see some Twitter bots saying, you know, legalize psilocybin, and I really want people to understand what that model entails. It's a clinical model, um, basically, that ha it's like having, um, you know, your psychiatrist or your therapist uh, be able to give um, uh, medicine, in, and, and there's like, there's a lot of big money behind that. And, and I, I really want people to understand the difference between what decriminalization entails and what legalization entails within the psychedelic world. Because it's very similar to sort of the, um, within Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin versus the shitcoin sort of thing. Like when you're outside of it, you don't really understand what the difference is. But when you dive in deeper, you understand that you know, there are differences and very critical differences in, in thought and, and, and theory and where the direction of that, that, that was going to go. So I really wanted to, you know, get a microphone and, and tr start this discussion. And within Bitcoin, um, the Bitcoin community, you know, Bitcoin Twitter, um, I'm actually getting a lot more um, positive feedback uh, discussing sort of that, that sort of the, 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 you know, the intersection between Bitcoin and, and psychedelics. And, um, and yeah, and so I've, I've been on this rabbit hole and um, yeah, I just wanted to come talk to you. I, uh, I saw your interview last year with uh, uh, Michael Saylor. Um, that was like one of the first, I think, um, 
aha, like, okay, we're really doing this moment. So I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I had Bitcoin before that. So I, I um, found Bitcoin in 2015 and it was just a thing on the side. So Bitcoin was my alarm clock when, you know, just in 2020, like all the money printing went on. And so I was like, okay, that was my alarm clock. So okay, I really have to go, you know, I, I was digging down the psychedelic rabbit hole and then Bitcoin started to, you know, moon. And I was like, okay, it's time. I got to go figure this out. So yeah, your interview with, you know, Michael Saylor was one of the first ones that I came across and I was like, oh my God, we're really doing this. We're, we're going. <laughs> so That's uh, awesome. So That's I, awesome. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I switched gears from, uh, you know, uh, uh, studying psychedelics to studying Bitcoin these last 15 months. And so, um, yeah, what a trip, man. What a trip it's been. It's, 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 um, you know, and yeah, I, I just wanted to talk to you about that intersection between <clears throat> Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoiners seem to, you know, have deconstructed the fiat reality. So I think they're more open to psychedelics, but like, it's like, you know, were these people that, you know, like, like, did you, you know, were you into psychedelics before you got into Bitcoin? Like, which came first for you? Like, I've kind of listened to your, you know, talks over, you know, a couple episodes on your podcast. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, for me, like, I think, having the psychedelics experience helped me understand bitcoin so like mm. that was sort of my but it's it's been an iteration of sorts yeah so. totally well i have a i have a bunch of questions to ask you on the you know the policy side of things framework yeah. that you opened up with but i um i do think it's really interesting and as you said like i think a, a lot of bitcoiners are starting to be interested in this domain of things if for no other reason that like part of the fiat culture is basically all of these, um, you know, predetermined answers just disseminated and, and, you know, people are expected to integrate them into the perspective, you know? And so like whether people dismiss like in the quote unquote mainstream culture, whether they dismiss psychedelics because they think it's frivolous and indulgent and the sixties and all that kind of stuff. And, or they just think it's illegal and bad and dangerous. Like it's usually one of those two. And as a result, they've just dismissed it outright. And I think one of the things that Bitcoin causes you to do is to realize that you need to pretty much reconstruct your entire perspective of like what is real and what is true and what is going yeah. on and how things are how things are structured culturally, socially, economically, monetarily, et cetera, psych psychologically, spiritually even. And I think that that means that like, you know, at some point, if you're curious enough, if you're if your quest for truth is is broad and true and like sincere enough, then you wind up in this domain of things because they're incredibly interesting. And even if you don't like, even on the surface, like the, just the yeah. history of psychedelics is quite engaging. And so if you're at all curious, you're gonna be like, wow, I wanna learn more about this. And if you go yeah. down that rabbit hole, you end up realizing that there's something of extreme value here. And you know, why do we yeah. pursue Bitcoin? Because we believe it's something of extreme value and it's worthwhile to us to both learn more about it and integrate it more into our life. And I think that's precisely the case with psychedelics. And there's a lot of really interesting analogies between the two domains that uh, huh. overlap a lot. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that because um, of your recent kind of going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. But just to answer your question, my interest in psychedelics preceded uh, Bitcoin. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that was just by virtue of a, a, 
a general curiosity for more like you know sure basically surely there has to be more than what we're being offered culturally and socially in the mainstream and this led me down a bunch of different rabbit holes and when i happened upon the psychedelic one by accident um a few friends and i were having a, a recreational intended to be recreational trip with mushrooms and at that point that's how i saw them i thought they were just another way to perturb your consciousness to have you know some fun with your friends and uh over like overdid the dose accidentally and had an experience that was not in the realm of recreation any longer. And it was in the realm of something like quasi spiritual and, and very challenging. And so after I went through kind of the hell of that experience and then came out the other end, I just woke up the next day and I was like, well, this is going to need some investigating, you know? So I go on Amazon and I buy all the books available on psychedelics and watch all the videos. And then, you know, in 2008 and 2009, I spent, three or four months down in the Amazon learning about ayahuasca shamanism and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's been a ongoing inquiry and inquiry and practice since then, because the psychedelic rabbit hole is, you know, basically endless as well. And um, I think also one of the, like they're, they're very conducive to one another because once you have that kind of quintessential experience and a space emerges between something deeply like deeply fundamental to who you are and the identity or how you conceive of yourself and you realize that like as a result of that temporarily altered perspective you see the world differently and you realize that the world may not be precisely as your your normal perception of it is and so it opens you up to thinking well it could be different and maybe even it should be different and what is the reason why it is the way it is what are the reason what, what are the reasons why i perceive it to be the way i perceive it to be And, you know, what is the optimal perspective to have on how the world is and what is the optimal ambition to have for how I I would like it to be and how I would like to act within it. And I mean, I think that leads you down an inquiry about economics and society and culture and history and philosophy, et cetera. And then you realize that the money is one of the primary Mm -hmm. uh, things that, that, that constructs the culture, one of the the primary inputs to determining what the outputs of the culture are. And once you realize how corrupt and broken the money is, you're like, oh my God, well this, you know, we got to fix this before we can really talk about fixing anything else because this is so fundamental. And so I became a gold bug as a result because at the time, you know, what do you think? That was, that was the only thing to do. And, um, and then as I learned, like I got exposed to Bitcoin, I was extremely excited about it from a from from that perspective, not even from a financial gain perspective. And then, you know, over the years, you realize that it's it's more plausible that it could work. Cause I guess initially I was like, well, this is a very cool idea, but you know, how right, could it right. ever possibly work out? Until, you know, you just become a a crazy Bitcoiner and you find all your <laughs> other Bitcoin Bitcoiner homies and you know, it turns into the cultural phenomenon that it is today. And it, and it begins, at least for me and a lot of people that I speak to, it begins to dramatically reframe their perspective. And as a result of doing so, dramatically improve many areas of their life. And I think that's why we have these conversations. That's why when Bitcoiners get together, it's such a, you know, awesome time. And yeah, very, that's it gets some, cosmic super yeah. fast. And, and I yeah. think, you know, what's more profound than something that has such a dramatic, dramatically positive effect on people's lives. And so, you know, hence my incessant interest in, in the stories and understanding what's going on here. 
Yeah. Yeah. There, there definitely is some sort of a connection there with the spirituality. I mean, I, I started, I, I think the fiat world was just going crazy. So I started mindfulness exercises and, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, the whole minimalism phase, remember that about 10 years ago, I sort of went through that to just, um, you know, I was reading the Marie Kondo books and stuff saying, you know, what, what do I need? What I don't need. So like I, you know, after 40 years or 45 years of living, you accumulate a lot of junk. So you have to like, you know, chisel away what you don't really need anymore. So I think that exercise helped me understand what, what has value and what doesn't have value for me Mm -hmm. in my current life stage right now. So I think that really definitely helped me prepare and Bitcoin kind of came into my life in 2015 and, um, at, you know, I didn't understand it at the beginning. I mean, I just, uh, I met a guy on the internet, um, and he told me about it. And for me, I was just like, this is cool. It's like internet money. Like, <laughs> and I was traveling a lot at the time. So I was like, oh, I mean, for me, it was just, a like, like a bank on the internet where I can withdraw local cash from anywhere around the world. I was like, that's pretty neat. Like if I can find a Bitcoin ATM you know, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, money exchange at the airport and all that. Right. So I was like, that's pretty cool. So to me, that I mean, that was the level of my understanding. So I just had some on the side and then I traded it. And the guy I was with got super mad at me. Uh, and I, I made 15% or something like at the time I was like, that's a lot of money. And so, and he got super mad at me and I was like, wow. And that was when why, I, why did he get mad at you for trading it? For trading, he's like, you only need to keep one Bitcoin because I sold everything. I was like, I'm gonna, do, you know, I'm, I'm out, right? Right. And he, and then he got super mad at me. So I was like, oh, this motherfucker, he's really serious about this. So, that, <laughs> so he, he had seen through it, but there wasn't. And this is 2015-16 timeframe, so there wasn't much educational material around. I mean, I saw some, you know, Antonopoulos videos, and and actually, um. You know, I didn't really understand like the the Greek crisis that was a, the economic crisis going on in Europe. Um, the guy I was with, he was you know British, and so like he was more aware of what was going on in Europe. So that like opened up my consciousness of the economic reality of Europe and you know what's going on over there. And really, like the Antonopoulos videos, it wasn't so much that I understood like all the econo- you know the finance point but it was his emotion like he was he had his hand and it was always like gripped tight and I was like this guy is mad he's really really angry at at this system and there's got to be a reason so it was the emotion that like I got the connection first before the intellectual understanding of the the global financial crisis and and then in 2017 I, I quit my fiat job um, because my mom, my mother was hospitalized and I had to make a huge decision on whether to take care of her myself or to put her in a nursing facility. So, um, so, uh, and then I quit in October, like roughly around October, 2017. So it was the first big, you know, peak and I was like, oh, Bitcoin's going up. Like, yeah. So, and then it crashed. So I was like, damn. You know, and, <laughs> and, um, and was, yeah, and so, 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 um, I had quit my fiat job, um, but I was like, I was, I was fine. I, I, I you know, I thought I, I would just go day by day and figure it out. I made, I made the decision to take care of my mother myself because elder care in the United States is like, I, like, I can't afford it. It's 10 grand a month. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's really, I mean, the financial reality of, of, you know, you know, boomers are, are, are just not in tune with, you know, what the financial reality of their, their care is, you know? And I'm like, okay, there, you know, I have to do this myself. And this is before all the sovereign individualism and all, you know, I caught up to all that later on, but like, I, I just had to make a decision myself to do this myself. And it was a huge decision. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's just been, you know, kind of floating there since. And, and I went back in 2018 after the crash um, and I read up on psychedelics, um, you know, like all the Terrence McKenna books and, and, and whatnot, and just caught up on, um, you know, the, the study of it. I, I had come across psychedelics. Um, I'm from the Burning Man school. So, you know, that was where I was originally exposed to psychedelics, um, 2004 to about 2014 timeframe. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I had, ex- you know, towards the end of that, like I had experienced a, a couple death experiences, you know, very close and I had to process that, um, and, and really, um, I, I did a couple, um, you know, I was t- doing, you know, and I had really high anxiety from those death experiences. My father had died. Um, and, you know, I had some very close friends, um, that, that, that passed away too, in this like very short time frame, And so, like, I had to process all this, like very suddenly, and I got really high anxiety because of that. And I went through traditional cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as um, I went to a, like a Thai um, monastery, Buddhist monastery, and did like a six month of like group meditation type of thing. And they were, they were both helpful. But I think for me, you know, when I went back to the desert, and, and I, this is the first time I had done a solo mushroom trip. So I'd done it with friends and connected that way, but like I had never done connected with myself. And so, um, so I did a solo trip for the first time and really processed um, and, and kind of overcame that, that fear of, of abandonment. Like, so the, the fear of death is just a fear of like abandonment. So that was the, the process that, that I processed and the mushroom really helped me um process that you know myself and so there's there's power there right and like I didn't you know I mean the therapy and all that was helpful to have in the the meditation was helpful to reel in those thoughts but really to be thrown into a you know a psychedelic space and having to process everything and, and deconstructing your entire life and and trying to understand what bits to keep and what bits to you know let go and then, and that's such a powerful medicine that I, I really, you know, I really want the access to these medicines without the state coming in to tell me how, you know, to how it should be licensed or, you know, it has to be gone, gone through a therapist or, or whatnot. Like I have the power to commune directly with, with nature. And so I want to have that access. And so the huge debate back to the policy thing is that, you know, that's sort of the, the, um, you know, the two factions that are going on is, you know, this decriminalization movement where we're trying to, you know, be able to have direct access without the state, you know, trying to figure out a legal structure around it versus, you know, the big money corporate, you know, backed, you know, um, I'm calling it mind pharma, so it's basically um, mind medicine, and and there's a couple other companies that 
really um, are trying to patent, you know, how the therapy should go. Mm. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm of the opinion, first of all, that IP intellectual property is bullshit. But like, how do you take these practices that have been going on for thousands of years and try to patent that, you know, and saying that that's the only licensed model that we're going to place in these states. And so, um, so that's sort of the fight that's going on within the psychedelic space. And it's very similar to the Bitcoin and shitcoin, you know, argument. Like I had this tweet where saying that legalization is like CBDCs, right? So you want the state controls the, you know, the structure, right? The, the, the money structure or the, the, the psychedelic therapy structure and versus Bitcoin and decriminalization, which is like, you know, there it's organic and it grows and it, you know, you, you, you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. You know, you're responsible for your own mental health as well as you're responsible for, you know, hodling your money. Like that's the, the, the sovereignism that, that comes with responsibility. So that's the two like parallels that's going on within the psychedelic realm. And then the, the you know, the cryptocurrency or like the Bitcoin realm. And, and you're right. Like it, like both, arenas like explode into million you know million different pieces like very easily like you you end up rabbit holing with the psychedelics like neuroscience you know and and cultural history and and you know like you go down the mayan you know you know path and all these crazy things right and and same with bitcoin economics and you know spirituality and all this like what is going on it's just because it's so foundational like you said, in a civilization, it's like the base layer, you know, yeah. spirituality and the, and the, the uh, money is a civilizational base layer. And we're trying to change that. So I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's why it just gets super cosmic very, very easily and it gets lost. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, 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 it's, it's so fascinating and the people in both spaces are so, like amazing they're all amazing people like i i'm I'm just trying to be the bee that's trying to cross pollinate between the two Mm. and say you know you know bitcoin there's a lot of you know psychonauts within the bitcoin you know you know bitcoin twitter but you know i also want to take bitcoin back to sort of the you know the festival space right and and like why don't we use you know Bitcoin as a medium of exchange within a you know a festival setting? Like yeah. you know, so so that's that's kind of my mission and and my vision of trying to I'm calling it um uh, what did we come up with uh, uh side and citadel right so you know basically now you know if Bitcoin is successful and over the years it you know accumulates capital and like basically power for me to start my own citadel, then I can actually create uh, a, a safe, you know, psychedelic space that people can explore their own consciousness in. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, um, you know, that's, you know, Bitcoin sort of becoming successful and, you know, like just in 2020, I was like, okay, there's a path forward in this now. Like, it, like Bitcoin has allowed me a path forward to, you know, step forward into this, um, you know, space and 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 really be that pioneer species that like brandon quinn talks about right and and trying to figure out 
you know, with Bitcoin as the foundational layer of money. And, you know, if we, you know, you know, break down the 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 construct of our, our fiat realities and and be able to become human again, you know, and be able to connect, you know, through psychedelics with yourself, you know, your spirituality and you know, and with others as well. So I think that's a huge, you know, huge difference in like a therapy setting versus a festival setting, right? So a therapy you know, setting might help you deconstruct your reality, but you still don't get that bond with other people or with nature or like just be in awe of like a sunset, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. so I think that it's important to try to make sure we protect this, this decriminalization space. And, and that's why I really have been starting to get, you know, knock on doors um, and, and, try to get a microphone to to address the difference between a legality of psychedelics and a decriminalization model because it is different as as different as you know maybe bitcoin and ethereum right so like you know i really want to you know discuss that and 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 really you know have you know and and just like kind of just understand the path forward you know and how how this decentralized model um how we're going to organize under a decentralized model. I think that's sort of um, a big, big thing for me too, is like, you know, we're virtually connected, but how do we organize, you know, you know, physical events, for example. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, um, that's kind of, um, yeah, where, where I'm at right now and, and in my journey with Bitcoin and, and psychedelics and yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's exciting. You know, it's like, what what an honor to like be able to be a part of this right so um so yeah i'm i'm just stepping forward you know into the into the void you know and <laughs> and, see, and and vibing to see what happens that's awesome you know you mentioned just how deep the two respective rabbit holes go and they seem so interconnected and there's so over so much overlap and you know i'm sure metaphors and analogies many can could encapsulate or at least partially encapsulate that relationship, but it might just simply be that they both deal in the most fundamental realm of value. And, you know, value is pretty much everything. I mean, I mean, some people make the assertion that the value is what's fundamental. It's what allows the material world to be engageable, right? It's that framework that allows you to choose one action versus another. And if, you know, you could maybe just simply say that psychedelics are a means of uncovering fundamental value within and you know in connection to everything else so it's a more of a personal value discovery mechanism and bitcoin is the primary fundamental value discovery mechanism in the interpersonal realm right, right. so it allows mm-hmm. value yeah. fundamental value to be discovered there and of course like the two are perfectly married because yeah. the more you can do so in one, the former say, the more it's expressed in the latter by virtue yeah, of and I think, the that they communicate. Yeah. And yeah, it's just very recently that I, I, I made that like discovery as well. 
is that, yeah, I mean, psychedelics is sort of like an inner, like inner value, like, you know, extracting that in, inner value out to the world. And then also, you know, money itself, like if I'm, you know, on an island by myself, money is kind of useless. It's, it's only for a medium of exchange or storing it for future medium of exchange, right? Like money doesn't mean anything if there's no other being to trade with, right? An energy mm -hmm. trading system. So, so yeah, I had that sort of the, the aha moment too, saying, okay, maybe, you know, psychedelics, spirituality is sort of that inner value fundamental and then the interpersonal you know like the meat the, the the energy exchange system happens with the base layer of money and if that is conserved then the more energy that gets in right and you know it goes up and I also have an engineering background too so like hearing Michael Saylor explain you know that thermodynamic sort of like in that language really helped me understand like the whole Bitcoin system because I like after that, I went and read like the Bitcoin standard and, you know, um, layered money and all this, you know, all the amazing educational material that's available that wasn't available in 2015. So now this time around, I was able to go much, much, you know, deeper and much more spread on the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. But yeah, it's um, it's been an amazing journey to try to learn and understand and, and go deep and find out that it's it's this value mechanism and and so um so yeah i think that's where we're just all like what's going on you know and we want to understand what 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 the hell is going on um so yeah having well, that as, you, that, said, that, as mm -hmm. you said like it both you said it a while back and i can't remember what precisely it was in reference to it, but it's that process of you know basically being like unformed marble right and then you what you mm -hmm. take away things to reveal you know the art or the person or the thing of greatest yeah. value. And I think both of those mechanisms are effectively like, or, or are the most effective chisel, right? Both for ourselves yeah. and for the, for the exterior culture. Like they, they're the mechanism that permits us to determine and engage with optimal or like maximum value, something like that, or the greatest mm -hmm. value. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> both yeah. of those things yeah. are incredible. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, yeah, the, the 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 minimalism and and just throwing out, you know, I, I think as a human, we we change roles throughout life, right? And so as our our roles in life with other people change, that our identity has to shift with it. So you know, during transitional times, you know, major life events like you get married, your role is different, right? Or you know, you have a child, you know, you have a child, it's completely different. So. I think when these these huge you know life events happen, death right is also a part of that process, and and the modern world really doesn't you know doesn't really the I would I'm I'm calling it the fiat world now really because fiat is so extractive of that energy right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the fiat world has sucked all the energy out that we don't no longer have time remaining to you know address these life-changing moments and so you're always just trying to keep up with it in the in the hamster wheel and then the hamster wheel when the inflation goes up is 20 percent faster so you it's 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 the fiat game is like i mean i think we've all figured out i mean it's going to end so now we have to transition over into this new 
you know, monetary system. And we see that, like that transition coming. And so I think having that psychedelic or the, 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 the sort of the, you know, deconstruction of the reality that you can get with, you know, medit- you know, I'm not just saying psychedelic meditation or, or spirituality or, you know, any of these practices that help you kind of see through the bullshit and like be able to say, okay, what's really important for me? Like what's important for my life? So having that mindset really helps you see this transition coming in the monetary space. And, and, you know, for, for us, I think as pioneers, we need to sort of, okay, figure out, um, you know, what are the, the, the most important things that we need to address, right, at a, at a social level, or as, you know, in the coming society. And, you know, right now we're sort of in that, you know, okay, that's individual citadel, okay, let's take care of the, our community, our family kind of a thing. But I think as it grows, you know, um, I, I, mean, I learned how to grow mushrooms by myself. Like I learned it on the internet. And once you see how the mycelium, you know, grows, like you just see it like the mycelium of money, like Brandon's article is like, you see it. And so you see that growth potential happening. And I'm just like, okay, we need to, you know, step into this space. And then, and then, you know, like as an engineer, I'm like, okay, how do we fix these problems? Like, you know, we have social problems. We have huge social problems. So like, how do we fix this with the new, you know, base layer? And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly when the old system, you know, dies, right? Like every, every death is, is traumatic. So I, 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 I hope, and I think there's, there is an urgency, um, you know, within the psychedelic space too, like after COVID went down, it was a global crisis, right? And mental health is all over the place. And so I think we are all stepping out and saying, you know, from, you know, underground and, and speaking our truth saying, no, we, we need access to these medicines, you know, as fast as possible, because the old reality is crumbling and people need to understand, you know, and have a new relationship with the, you know, um, the changing world. So I think that's why there is a little bit of an urgency to try to get psychedelics um, available to to people. And and you know I you know I I've um, had Twitter arguments with with Novogratz because he's a he's a big funder of of the Mind Pharma. Like he he invests in in some of them. And so he's like, you know, we want to have these medicines, you know, accessible to as many people as possible. And I agree with him on that. So why, you know, why are you sending lobbyists and and trying to protect, you know, a, a patented practice, you know, a medical clinical model practice and saying that, you know, a festival cell setting is not as valid as a, a therapy session, right? So, so, you know, you know, with control of money, they're controlling the the um, you know what 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 has value and what doesn't, so that that's being imposed on us. Yeah. So I you know so you know I'm I'm trying to fight back, saying you know, and some people might you know want to have that therapy, and that's fine. You know, I mean, if you don't have any experience with it, and you would rather go to you know a, a therapist and and work with them, that's great. Go at it. You know and. And, but, you know, don't stop us from having these festivals and, and, you know, doing traditional, you know, um, ceremonies and practices and, 
and and even some of these cultural like you know i mean the decriminalized nature i mean is like the sign is like a peyote and then the psilocybin like and then it's the the ayahuasca vine right right that's so, cool. yeah yeah so that's the the, the symbol in that but you know, there. I mean, there are native, you know, um, people that are, that are saying, you know, these these are our cultural like heritage, right? Why are you preventing us from practicing our, our religious rights? You know. Yeah. And so, so I think there is a found fundamental like argument for the First Amendment on freedom of religion or consciousness, and and Bitcoin is the freedom of to exchange with individuals, and um, you know, without permission from the government. I totally agree. So, and I think I think the the answer here is you can carry over something from the Bitcoin and FOSS movement, which is make it open source, you know, like because mm -hmm. the, the all of these medical applications are inevitable because these substances can be used in those settings for good. You know, and I know like Dr. Bill Richards, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he, he's been in the space for a long time. He helped restart the studies in 99 at Johns Hopkins and like he's. Okay beautiful man he's he was around like back in the timothy leary days like he's just he's incredible and he and his heart's in the right place but he comes from academia I, I shouldn't even say but like he comes from academia and he's been working within the scientific framework and i think that's done a lot of good for helping uh like communicate to more rigid policymakers or in a certain generation who just completely dismiss these things to and look at it through a more scientific lens and it, it gives it credibility for that reason. So I think that's been a positive, but I share your concern that like if the legal meat hooks get into it and just like pigeonhole it or only allow it in a certain context, that is just, that's not good at all. Now I, I can see some people making the case like we'll medicalize it first and then, you know, broader legalization will come later as it becomes more normalized. And maybe that's true, but I don't think that's the optimal outcome. I think the optimal outcome is you 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 allow all applications to to flourish, you know, and like yeah. maybe there's certain safety considerations or may, like maybe there's right. some sorts of considerations. But I know what you mean. And I know the people and the companies you're referring to who are trying to make this a walled garden. And I, I don't think that's the right approach because it excludes so much beneficial practices and context for these substances yeah. and as you, as you say, their cultural heritage and stuff like that. So I, I hope it's, it's, there, there'll be a more open approach because I think that's the way the free market finds what the best solutions are right. rather than trying to mm -hmm. at the beginning say, oh, this is the, the proper context and we're only gonna create a legal framework around that context. And maybe you're wrong. Maybe that assumption was incorrect and you're leaving <laughs> off a whole big area of benefit and, and use cases and value that the market might find and apply to these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I want to—I don't want to knock on, on, you know, like you know, like uh, maps, the multi—I uh, can't remember. Disciplinary Association for Psychedelics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maps. I mean, they've done so much great work over the last 30, 30, 40 years, um, trying to get, you know, the, uh, their big uh, medicine was MDMA for PTSD, and they've done really good work trying to get through that FDA, the, the, the you know, trials, and it's not. But at the same time, you know, like. You know these vaccines went out in nine months right so like how valid is that 30 30 year you know trial really you know yeah i hear so what you're like, saying I but think, you know 
But part of it too is like the the argument of like, hey, the really special substances just let us do it. Obviously, wasn't working, right? Like, yeah. and so like yeah. there had to be a backdoor of some kind, yeah. and maybe it's medicalization. I don't know, but like, yeah, just, yeah. just let and, us and let us do our thing was not working. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. I don't, I, I really don't want to, you know, knock on these, you know, amazing organizations that that's tried to, you know, navigate through the, the, the bureaucracy that like, um, to, you know, to try to get, I mean, they, 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 they're, you know, they're trying to get these medicines to the people that need it. So I don't want to knock their work, but, um, you know, but they have capitulated, you know, to the big money, obviously they need funding as well. So, um, there are, you know, I think, you know, they are kind of going leaning toward the, the clinical model and, uh, and that's fine. You know, I, I think that is, and, you know, realistically that's probably the first you know wave of 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 clinics that happen you know within the west coast and i and, and i think that's great but i you know at the same time you know i want to see um you know parallel movement that psychedelic medicines are decriminalized so that if you do use them outside of that setting you are not penalized or jailed or or whatnot right so yeah. that's that's the 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 arena that decriminalized nature is trying to protect and 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 I really wanted to let people understand, you know, really understand that that difference between legalization and decriminalization. So in those jurisdictions where, like you mentioned, Oakland and Denver and some at a state level where they decriminalized it by saying we're not going to devote um, like regulatory or policing resources to this issue. But like federally, like DEA is still a concern for these places. Right. So can, can yeah. these, these yeah. industries can't still really flourish out in the open? Is that? That's right. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like yeah, there's, right a, there's an underground economy and people are more or less. I mean, if you watch your P's and Q's, you don't have to be that anxious about it, but it's certainly not like a free market of services right, bubbling right. up and all that. No, kind of I stuff. mean, like I can't publicly, you know, start a, a psilocybin retreat in Washington state at the time, right? Because I don't have a, a legal structure to figure out, okay, what type of safety measure is, you know, the state going to implement. Um, and I think that's fine, you know, as long as it's clear, you know, if I have to jump through hoops, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to figure it out but at the same time you know so there's a 15 person committee that's reviewing in Oregon and Washington state saying okay what is the what's the rule right what's the rule of the game basically so so i think we're just waiting um to understand that 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 legal structure that that comes down and then you know we'll navigate through it um and, and because i do i really do want to you know create a space available for people to process you know there's you know life trauma right and and we we've had this global crisis and and i, I think we're just reacting to that so um so hopefully within the you know and i, I and i do think it's it's um, this is the decade. I mean, I, I um, you know, I follow the cannabis industry as well and, and, and how, you know, Washington state was one of the first, you know, legal structure that we had, um, within the state. And then, you know, now every once in a while, I don't follow it that, that often anymore, but like, you know, 25 or 26, 27 states have, um, you know, uh, you know, various other legal structure. It's, it's different shades of green, but like, you know, there's, medical and, and recreational and all this, right? So each state gets to kind of decide the legal structure around it. And I think that psilocybin will probably have the same, you know, differences. 
and I, oh, I was also thinking, you know, this legal tender bills within the Bitcoin, like, I mean, is that the same thing too? Like, I don't really understand, like El Salvador, you know, you're probably more familiar with the, the legal tender laws. And I'm wondering, like, you know, like, so, you know, you know, how, how, you know, value or like what structure, like it's permissionless money. So why does there have to be a legal tender bill? Right. It's mm. that same sort of, yeah, I think, I think that's the same thing, like with decriminalization and, you know, psilocybin, you know, I can grow my own mushrooms and, and, and eat them. Right. Like nobody's stopping me from doing that. And yet, you know, if I wanted to create a community around that, then I would have to have, because it's, it is interpersonal. So the state gets involved with trying to figure out the, the, legal, the legal structure around it. So I'm wondering if there's a parallel between legal tender bills and like, you know, like, um, you know, how the, the, the psychedelic laws are going to be sort of formed as well. Yeah. Well, I, th I think many of us would say, you know, just from removing the state would be the optimal option. And I right. think a lot of people uh, with El Salvador, I mean, like, of course, we cheer it on because it's a move in a direction that's aligned with us in a world that everyone is so far divergent from like what we think is right and good. And so like, of course, we're cheering it on. But I think many of us would say like, you know, compelling people to accept it, for example, as part of that bill, even if it's not going to be enforced or whatever, like, instead of making it legal tender, just remove all regulations on money whatsoever, right? So that like, there's no capital gains tax, there's no any other consideration, use whatever fucking money you want. And that allow the free market to sort it out that way, allow people's own choices to sort yeah. it out that way. I think, or and, and to your point, I mean, a lot of, you know, the Bitcoiners who basically look at Bitcoin as a black market money, it's kind of, it's oxymoronic to be like, why are we waiting for the white market seal of approval on the black market money? Right. Isn't that kind of like defeat the purpose of it actually being able to be a black market money in the first place? And I, you know, of course, there's a lot of merit to that argument. So I would, I would rather see not like the state and, and this is wishful thinking, right? Cause we're so we're in peak fiat and peak statism, at mm -hmm. least hopefully. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, like, yeah. I, I do believe it. I don't think, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't think we're yeah. anywhere near like, a dramatic reduction in the size of the state, like anytime no. super soon, but hopefully we're start the pendulum starting to swing in that direction. But you know, my preference would be remove, especially for substances like this, where you know there's there's no there's no toxicity dangers. Mm -hmm. Like there's dangers from not being prepared for the experience. But I'm more than happy to let the free market sort out what solutions are best and what providers. Um, develop and provide those solutions the best right. rather than the state, which has no idea on it one way or the other from on high a million miles away saying, this is how you should do it, irrespective of your own judgment and what the patient or the, or the participant needs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like we've, we've live in a world where people have lost faith in the ability for people's own decisions to self-organize. And we've deferred mm -hmm. everything to some, moral and authoritarian arbiter of truth that's like somewhere else but for some reason we delegate everything to them and no wonder things aren't working so well because that institution could never have the data nor never be sufficiently aligned with everyone's preferences to to perform that role optimally and so yeah, yeah. i think Central bitcoin's Planning. gonna 
Yeah, central planning can never look out for everybody, right? So, right. so yeah, when you when you decentralize the decision making, um, you know whether it's money or you know mental health or or whatnot, then I think, yeah, it it, it you know it fits each individual situation much much better the free market right yeah and people's so, own incentives will will help sort that out like you know people will offer solutions and if they're poorly offered then they will die out very quickly because people will communicate the poor experiences there <laughs> the best ones will rise to the top competition will mean everyone's trying to improve the way in which they offer those services over like over time and what i think that means is one the best possible solutions are made available for the current time. And two, the mechanism is there to make sure that we're consistently refining and discovering the greatest way of offering that solution, i.e. we're continue, continuously honing in on the greatest value for whatever thing it is that we're, we're uh, engaging with, right? So what is the yeah. best way yeah. to offer this solution to a healthy 35 year old male looking for xyz out of this experience well like that will be discovered through the course of time if there's no impediments to it and i i yeah. think it will be discovered well it'll be discovered way better than dictating it or making assumptions about it and putting you know artificial parameters in place so that's what i'd like to see i don't think you know we may that like i said that's probably fairly yeah, idealistic yeah. but the more we can remove and question the authority of the state yeah. in these affairs, the better. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's, it, it is trend, you know, transitional times. Right. And, and, um, you know, I think I'm Gen X, so I'm caught right in the middle between I'm peak Gen X. So like I'm caught between the val boomer values and millennial values, right. Huge, huge difference in value. I mean, we dematerialized everything within my lifetime, you know? Mm -hmm. So the material value, you know, the boomer security material value versus this sort of freedom. And, you know, it, it, there's a reactionary, I mean, the whole fourth turning sort of premises, that generational theory, right. Is, is I, I do believe it's true. I mean, I see it and, 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 and I see it like, once you see, you know, once obviously when you do psychedelics, you see those cycles, you know, much easier as well. So, like my mom is the, from the silent generation. So she, she understands, I mean, she was alive during World War II. So she knows the last transitional period and, you know, doing your own shadow work, you know, on, you know, with, with, you know, with your parents, right? Like I now understand like some of the, you know, like, you know, the trauma she received that, you know, the intergenerational trauma that's passed on, right? So, you know, I, you know, I kind of like brushed a lot of this off, but like, you know, my mom still like stores extra food, you know, just in case, you know, I mean, it's, it's still ingrained in her from food shortages. Right. Mm. So now, you know, I'm seeing these, you know, talks about, you know, possible food shortages. And obviously now we have, we're in wartime, like, you know, you know, mainstream media is bombarding everybody with Ukraine right now. So like, you know, I, I'm just like, okay, you know, maybe this is a transitional time, but also Gen X, you know, as a Gen X, we're pragmatics, right? We, we really, you know, we're the translators between the two generations. So um, yeah, realistically, we would love to have, you know, these decentralized models right away. But I do think that it's going to be over the next 30 to 40 years that this transition happens. But but, you know, I think younger kids, you know, and, and it, it, the older you get, you know, the time preference does go lower too. Like, so, 
you know, for example, with cannabis, I mean, we just legalized weed 10 years ago, you know, and then during COVID, it's now an essential business that stayed open, right? And, you know, and, and, and it's the fourth biggest industry in Washington state now. That's within just 10 years. That's just a decade. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the time, oh, we have this new theory that we're talking about in, um, on, on Bitcoin Twitter, but time dilation is happening, right? So that, you know, it is time being squeezed, right? Like more things are happening within a shorter period now during a transitional time. And so, you know, and then with Bitcoin too, like, is it, is, is it, does it dilate time, right? There's all these discussion with Gigi and all this about, you know, Bitcoin is time and all this. But for me, what I'm seeing is this dial, like a, a time dilation where, 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 you know, I mean, you know, when Bitcoin 10X is at every halving, is that a time dilation that's happening? Like what, what's happening there? Like mm-hmm. time does seem, seem to be like compressing, right? So thing and, and technology development too. I don't know if you've read um, Adam Alvin Toffler's like third wave theories. Like, I don't know if you've come. Okay. So that's, um, that's basically the bigger, like the agricultural wave, the industrial wave, and then the digital wave. He coined the term information age. Mm-hmm. And so he predicted in the 70s that um, technology would advance so fast that human basically, human development cannot catch up with the technology, like the singularity and all this, right? So, and I do wonder, like, I mean, like for myself too, like I, I, I think of Bitcoin as a operation, oper, you know, OS change, like of my brain, like how I'm going to save my energy for future trade with other humans, right? So, so how, you know, it, for me going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole was a, a full, oper, you know, OS change in my brain of how yeah. I'm going to operate in the world, right? So, so that's a huge, you know, and I swear to God, this is the last big, oh, like change I'm going to do. Like, I, like, I'm almost 50 now and I'm like, uh-uh, I can't take it anymore. So I do understand like boomers, you know, are lost. So millennials need to take care of their parents, right? And, and, and help transition into this new economy that's going on. So I think, um, you know, at a big, you know, you know, big change big change level that, you know, we, you know, we are looking out kind of, you know, understanding, you know, how this is going to change and, and we're all trying to just navigate through it, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think uh, that metaphor of the OS change is very apt. And I think a lot of people feel that because it's so, it alters so much your perception and as a result, how you engage in the world. And I think, you know, talking about this transition, you know, speaking about the kind of uses or applications for, you know, psychedelic experiences, you, you mentioned that this transition that we're going through, whether it's like the nasty transition of like from the fiat system to the Bitcoin system, or even maybe a broader overarching transition of like just things accelerating so much going to, you know, God knows what on the other side, I feel like the, uh, the fluidity or the flexibility that that experience allows you to integrate into your perspective, right? Where you're not such a, a rigid defined identity, but you're far more able to embody different perspectives and see things from different angles and, and adapt better. Uh-huh. Like, you know, as was the, as is the case all throughout evolution, right? The more you're able to adapt to the changing environment, the, the better your chances are at succeeding and, and 
thriving and surviving. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that that is another potential application for the psychedelic experience as we go into this rapidly changing, nobody knows what's going to happen environment is that being optimally adaptive to that is obviously going to be beneficial. And I think both Bitcoin and psychedelics will play an instrumental role in that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the two are very interrelated and, um, you know, both are on a growth trajectory, right? So I, I do believe that this is the the world that really millennials will, you know, create. And, and you know, I'm kind of, I'm transitioning because, you know, I'm, I need to survive really. And, and, um, you know, and I'm just trying to keep up as, as, you know, much as I can. Right. But, you know, there's, there's so much growth in both spaces that it's, you know, we need to have a decentralized proof of mind and have people, you know, everybody, you know, we, we have this amazing tool right now that's called the internet. So, we can share our thoughts and, and ideas with each other, right? That's the, the free trade of, of, of ideas and, 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 you know, constructs and whatnot. So I think we're trying to all, you know, reach out and saying, you know, compare notes and saying, okay, you know, what's, what's really happening here. And um, yeah, I, I really do think that um, I, I just recently finally read Leela from Breed Love's um, series over there with Mike Hill and um, um, yeah, this dynamic quality, you know, the metaphysics of quality idea of, of you know, being sort of like, I, th- I think in tradition, it'd be like being in the moment, right? You're, you're able to perceive reality as is much more clearly and be able to understand what has and what doesn't have value to your life now. And you can choose the path that represents, you know, more value for yourself and your loved ones and, and be able to navigate much more clearly in a dynamic, dynamically changing world. And, and when the value system of that external world changes from a fiat based, you know, consumer, you know, a material, um, you know, to a, 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 a dematerialized, you know, more of a, you know, millennials have different, different, different values, you know, they, 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 it's, it's completely different. So I think, I think trying to navigate this, this change. And I, I think that, that, you know, when you look at the fourth turning sort of, you know, zoom out perspective, you see the pendulum swinging, you know, back and forth between, centralized system and decentralized systems or um you know you know you know materialistic world to a spiritual you know world and so on and i think we just you know move you know we go one way we go too far and then there's a reactionary period that we have to go back and that's that generational theory um you know coming back and forth yeah i agree and i it'll be interesting to see to what extent that theory is altered or holds up under a Bitcoin standard where maybe the incentives to individualism and individual sovereignty are greater than they have been at any period in the past. And therefore, does that slow the pendulum? Does it make it hang out in one area longer than the other? I mean, notwithstanding culture and the world and our reality is probably always going to have a cyclical nature to it to some degree. And so there's going to be, you know, good times and bad times and growth and consolidation and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder what kind of a shape that will take when the, when the base layer is different like that. And, you know, I, I, to your point about 
this ongoing conversation because it's not just like we change our OS and we change the means of storing value and expressing value out into the world and becoming more adaptable for this. But as you said, I mean, a big part of orienting that OS is all the different feedback we get from other people that are expressing things, information, opinions, perspectives. And, you know, most of this happens for a lot of us on, on Twitter, right? This is where we get to right. see like mm -hmm. what, what signals are being sent out, what signals are, are good and true and what's noise and how do we parse it? And, you know, it's just amazing that, yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't seem like a coincidence that like all those things were almost necessary for the other one to take hold and now they've yeah. all taken hold together and it's just this torrent of of mix of things that are coming together to really you know conjure up something hopefully good and beneficial that's going to see us through into the future better than anything we've had in the past and you know i, I kind of get it it i think it's a good thing that someone like elon has just taken over that at yeah. that aspect of the mix because it probably means there's going to be a greater like a freer flow of information and perspective yeah. on that platform yeah. and that pro that's probably going to stand us in good yeah. stead that's and probably I a mean, good thing. yeah i mean the zeitgeist is there too i think elon put a tweet out about psychedelics benefiting you know yeah, yeah, people so so he's already kind of spoken proactively and and i kind of already knew that with the tech lords, you know, I mean, a lot of so many of them know what's Silicon going Valley on is built on yeah. LSD. So, like, you know, Burning Man's just, you know, you know, Silicon Valley festival, really. So, There's like, a lot I of know people in the psychedelic closet. Yeah, I mean, Jack obviously has had, you know, you know, he's uh, to me, I'm like, I know he's had psychedelic experiences. <laughs> so I, I knew I would be safe in this, in, in within, you know, Bitcoin, and that's precisely why I moved over here because I was like. I, I had seen the the mycelium money and I was like, okay, I need to go find these people. So I just came over here and I still represent decriminalized nature, but I was learning from you guys about Bitcoin and then, you know, went down the rabbit hole and, and, and then, you know, you guys, you know, with the podcasts going on, I listened to a lot of it. I broke my, I broke my like rule of no tech on my walks, but like on my daily walk, I was like, <laughs> I need to learn. So I was like, have my podcast on. So you guys are, you guys have been my imaginary friends for the last 15 months. And now that's amazing. Now you mean you weren't to... turned away by the toxicity? No, no. I, I want to know <laughs> what these guys are talking about. So I like, I love your HODL gang, you know, the talks. I, I love those. And I was like, man, how do I get into Like I have penis envy. I want to get into this circle. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go knock on the door and, 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 and see, you know, you know, if we're talking about and, and also, yeah, my, I mean, get the word out. I mean, I really, um, you know, I do have a, a, a vision of, uh, you know, these, you know, citadels that, that form and, and, and um, yeah, I want to be connected to the people that are like psychonauts. Right. So, um, you know, I, I plan, you know, when I can, um, you know, start organizing festivals. Um, we actually have a capital um, within my Burning Man circle community. Uh, we have a campground up here. Um, you know, we bought an old Elks Lodge and it's perfect for a very small festival. So, you know, I want to start, you know, finding the people, the, the, the sort of the, the burners and, and, and the psychonauts that, uh, you know, want to try to do a festival on lightning network. Right. So it, you know, you know, Miami is this huge conference, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at trying to start a small, you know, smaller gathering sorts of, 
you know, I mean, you know, a, a physical space that we can all connect and kind of unplug and, and reconnect with, you know, ourselves and each other and nature and, and, and be able to provide that space of, you know, have that space available to the community, you know, within Bitcoin community and the psychedelic community. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking for, for, you know, others that kind of think this is a good idea. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see some legal structure that, that comes down. So, um, I'm really looking for help, you know, to see if anybody else, you know, wants to, 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 you know, see if we can navigate through this and, and, and have a, a, a vision, you know, co-create a, um, a space together really. And, and, you know, I, you know, all I want, you know, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that like just dive in and then like learn about it later, you know, and, and the best way for me to do that is to work with other people because, you know, people have amazing knowledge and, when that's shared, it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. And yeah, I'm a big proponent of open source, you know, open source, open source creativity. And, you know, that's why I think Bitcoin is going to do well because it is, it is, you know, open sourced and decriminalization, I think is, is a much better model than, than a legal model, because like you said, you know, you can, you can, you know, have, you know, different competition, like competing models and saying, you know, and, and really reacting to the needs of the people instead of like, you know, authoritarian pushing down on saying this is how it should be done. So mm -hmm. let, the, let, let the free market figure out what the best needs are for the people and what, you know, and then we react to that, you know, in a dynamic quality fashion so that, you know, we're, we're, we're providing the, the actual needs of the people instead of like trying to, put, you know, push something down. So, yeah, I totally agree. And based off of a lot of conversations I've had, you know, over the last 12 to 24 months around this stuff, um, people thinking a similar way. So I suspect, you know, some people will be reaching out to you, or at least at some point, there'll be a lot of interest in, in working on such plans together in some capacity, because I think a lot of people recognize the, uh, the importance and the value that could be, that could arise from doing something like that. Yeah. Um, and I wish you well on that. I know you got a hard stop in a few minutes, so I'll, yeah. uh, we'll sign off here. But, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to come chat with me yeah. and share, share your journey and your experiences and your thoughts. And it's been awesome to connect with you. And, you know, I wish you the best and we'll talk again soon. Yes, thank you so much. And um, I just want to um, let people know you can just, um, I'm on, on Twitter at decrimnat. And um, you can DM me anytime. I'm home just taking care of mom all day. Um, you know, and if you want to like uh, integrate a, a psychedelic experience and, you know, having problems trying to understand it, you know, I'm available. So just, uh, yeah, just give me a shout out. And um, yeah, I'm, I might not be able to get back with you soon, but I love hearing other people's experiences. So, you know, if you want to share that with me, uh, DM me. Incredible. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, take Thank care. We'll, we'll talk in the future. Thank you so much, John. See ya. Bye-bye.
Oh, 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 oh.